Shalom everyone, this is Noach Binyamin, and welcome to Torah Thoughts, a weekly Parsha podcast where I delve into the worlds of Judaism, mental health, and personal growth. In this episode, I speak with Rabbi Shalom Schwartz about all things Pesach, Shabbat, the Ten Commandments, the Exodus, and what it all means for us today. So, a Shabbat Shalom and a Chag Kasher V'Sameach, and I hope that you enjoy this podcast episode. Over Shabbat, I was asked to give a, a Dvar Torah. We had a, a luncheon for Shabbat Sagadol, and what struck me and what came to mind for me was a few things that I think all relate to each other, which is, what can the Yaseret Hadibro teach us about Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim? What can we learn about Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim from the Yaseret Hadibro? Because there's a lot of mitzvot we have that are some way connected to Vezaharta ki evet hayisa beretz mitzrayim, which is, of course, a quote from, from the Aseret Hadib wrote, but there's an idea to remember Egypt a lot for different mitzvot. Uh, we do that. We mark that in certain ways. I believe we do that for tzitzis in relation to tzitzis right after Parshat of tzitzis. That's where we actually say the verses to remember. Um, what other mitzvot do we have, Rav Shalom, that we, that we remember mitzrayim for? Um, to, to treat the stranger in a fair way, right? To, in terms of how we treat people. Remember that you were a stranger in Egypt. What else do we have? Well, pretty much the entire Torah is filled <laughs> with Zeich Litziat Mitzrayim. Every right. holiday, every, um, you know, all of the mitzvahs that relate to caring for the poor. Remember that you were, you were, uh, you know, the distressed. Anybody, all the holidays say that we have to take care of the poor and the Levi, Shabi Sharecha. You have to bring in everybody to celebrate the Chag together like you were in Mitzrayim. So, like, in other words, remember the oppression and take on. Uh, those are the obvious ones, but it, it is. Anytime the Torah speaks about a certain sensitivity to oppression, um, the almana and the yatom, the widow and the, and the orphans, those are all mitzvot that relate to sensitivity to people being in states of distress. And therefore, mitzrayim, the consciousness of mitzrayim, is something that is clearly... Um, central to the entirety of Judaism. Uh, my question that, that's related to this is wh- why is Yitziat Mitzrayim seem to have, you know, the going out of Egypt, why is that the overriding theme as opposed to remembering that we stood at Har Sinai? You find that much less so. There, of course, are verses that relate to that, but you don't say that in Kiddush, you don't say that, you don't see that, that refrain uh, to any extent, to the same as you do, remember the going out of Egypt. And why is that? And that might be a big question to ask ourselves. And we see that in the Yisrael Sadibros have two mentions of Yitziat Mitzrayim or, er, or Mitzrayim in general. And I think the first thing that's very important to know is that of all ways for God to introduce himself to the Jewish people in Harsinai at that moment in time and for all time was as being the Redeemer from Egypt. I'm Hashem, your God who took you out of Egypt. So there is something very important. Har Sinai is a moment and an experience, but there's something that God's saying that's not about the Har Sinai right now. That, that is, you're going to learn about me from, from Har, on Har Sinai, but you're going to learn about me by being much more intimate with Yetziat Mitzrayim and what that means. So it's, there's a lot at stake in learning about in Magid. We're going to be doing Magid soon on the Pesach Seder. And from all the Zaharta that we're supposed to do throughout the year, there's something very important because it's tied into the bottom line, our relationship with God. It's very, very important. And I think that that's the first thing that the Aser Adibrot teach us, that God and human beings, the relationship, especially in the Jewish people, is mediated through the experience of Mitzrayim. 
So that's the Hakdama. But there's something after that that's very, very, very significant. Yetziat Mitzrayim as a Deber, as the part of the fourth Deber, correct? With, with, also, okay. With but Shabbat. The first, first and the fourth. Yeah. First and the fourth. So we have the introduction. To me, that says it sets the frame of Yitziat Mitzrayim is very important for your relationship with God. Know that. And there's all sorts of things we can get into that, our relationship with God through that. But aside from the Hakdama, the introduction of God as the Redeemer from Egypt, and interestingly enough, we've seen many people talk about the fact that treaties in the ancient world started with some sort of introduction of who's the person, who are the two parties, and God, in, in a way, is introducing himself in this Deber. But when we get really into Yitzim, Yitzrayim is in the fourth Deber, especially in the repetition of the fourth Deber, where the justification or the reason we keep Shabbat in that process, Vizacharta, Ki Evet Hayita Beretz Mitzrayim. We're going to supposed to know that we were a slave in Egypt. And so Yitzhak Mitzrayim has a very important thing to teach us about time. Our relationship with time, to me, uh, is the foundation. Learning about our relationship with time through, the, through Yitzhak Mitzrayim is going to bring all the rest of the insights into the picture. So Shabbat and Yitzhak Mitzrayim is a big relationship. And we know, by extension, Pesach, which I'm going to get to in a second. What was so significant about our relationship with time in Yitzhak Mitzrayim, or our lack of relationship with time, that now, afterwards, as being free and in Har, at Har Sinai, we need to know and know for all time. And I think two main things stick out to us. Number one is just the fact that we have Shabbat. We know, as Rabbi Foreman talks about, the famous first person human being to ever mention Shabbat is Paro. Paro is speaking to Aaron and Moshe. Moshe and Aaron are asking God to, to take them out of Egypt to go celebrate in the desert, however you want to get into at that time, what redemption was going to, to look like. And Paro says, no, this people, they're growing. We're not going to let them out. You think I'm going to let them out? You think I'm going to give them rest, respite, Shabbat, from their work? We're not giving, there's no such thing as Shabbat here in Mitzrayim. We're not, you're not getting Shabbat. There's no such sense of a break, of space, of, a, of the ability to have regularity of stopping the work. That's the first and most obvious thing. Without Shabbat, Life is like being a slave in many respects, whether it's because you're working all the time or because time has no markers. It just keeps going and going and going without a pause. And in a life, imagining a life without Shabbat is a very scary life indeed and has resemblances, a remez to what it was like in Mitzrayim. And I think the second thing from that, which, which is what we see as being one of the first mitzvot given to Bnei Israel when they leave, are about to leave in Eretz, in, in, the land of Israel, in, in the land of Egypt, is Rosh Chodesh. Rosh Chodesh Hazelachem Rosh Chodeshim. We're about to be given the Korban Pesach. We're going to be introduced to all sorts of inyanim about Pesach. And eventually we're going to learn about Shabbat, Mana, all these alternative ways to have a relationship with God and, and very, very important things about freedom. The first thing we're told is that time has to completely change when you leave here. is an implication that we are going to matter again in time. And Rabbi Lamb Zetzel has a very interesting discussion on this where he talks about the two ways to count for Rosh Chodesh. You have Rosh Chodesh al Yedei Re'iya, Rosh Chodesh with eyes, the, the announcements that used to be made at the temple times when they used to look into uh, the sky, to the moon, and declare Rosh Chodesh. And then Rosh Chodesh al Yedei Cheshbon. Even when there was Rosh Chodesh Al Yedei Re'iya, 
we still could possibly know with Cheshbon at those times. We could still possibly have known how to calculate it without human eyes. But the main way to calculate Rosh Chodesh, even if there was a month of cloud, et cetera, et cetera, you could have done Cheshbon, is through human beings making a difference and actually being able to say, this is Rosh Chodesh. Time matters. I can make a difference in this declaration. I am in control of time in some way that I've never been before. I matter. I make a difference. God wants me or loves me enough to let me count time and make it matter. And from that first Rosh Chodesh, the whole Jewish holiday, all meaning in time is born, including Shabbat. And the fact that all Yadei Re'iyah is the... Including other. Shabbat? Sorry, say that. Tell me what you mean by that. Well, I, Shabbat preceded all these discussions about Chodesh Lechem Why would you say Shabbat was uh, launched by the Kiddush Chodesh? Well, as far as I understand, Shabbat has always existed. And there might be people that have said that the Avot observed Shabbat in some capacity. But the first time we ever hear human beings observing Shabbat, any discussion between God and human beings about keeping Shabbat happens after the discussion of HaChodesh Zalechem and the Korban Pesach before they actually receive the Ten Commandments and they're talked about with the manna to have two days of, on, on, on Erev Shabbat, to have two days collection of the manna, to save it for Shabbat because there's something called Shabbat. So as far as I understand, Shabbat was introduced very shortly after Yitzhak Mitzrayim to the Jewish people before the Ten Commandments and was never introduced to them before that. Is that fair? It's an interesting debate, but my question wasn't exactly that. It was that I'm wondering if you're saying that they're, they're necessarily interconnected. In other words, if we didn't have a mitzvah of establishing Rosh Chodesh, which is the establishing of the calendar as we know it, wouldn't Shabbat have an independent uh, meaning and requirement and, and cycle that would be that runs independently of all the holiday cycle? I think so, but I think it's like impossible to even discuss that because it all happened at once. We had this Chodesh Zalachem. We learned about the Korban Pesach. We left. We were given Shabbat and the Chagim. We were actually given Pesach, the discussion about the laws of Pesach be beforehand, but it's hard to even say because, first of all, we know that kind of Pesach is a kind of Shabbat. It's referred to Mamacharat HaShabbat. It's a whole, I, 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 we can't even get into the fact that all the Chagim are connected as a deber to Shabbat. Um, to me, Shabbat is about the sanctification of time in all the different forms. And after Yetzirah Mizraim is the first time we're actually able to express or have any real relationship with that. So Shabbat has always existed. Shabbat is connected to the creation of the world. But the relation of Shabbat in retrospect as being a response to the slavery in Egypt was given after leaving and being told about the fact that we need to sanctify time. And I think what I've learned about that most importantly is number one, Human beings matter. They have purpose in this world in time. Kiddush al-Yadeh re'iyah, that, that we're supposed to do something with time and make it holy and therefore have purpose and have something meaningful to do with our, our work and our labor. And B, that it can't just be all of that all the time. There's also Shabbat. Those are some of the things that I've gotten out of looking at the Deber side of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Okay, beautiful. I, I think um, I, I actually had this debate with Rabbi Foreman. Uh, because there, there are many midrashim that indicate that the, the Levim kept Shabbat in Mitzrayim, and of course in the Torah itself it appears in, in Bereshit, and we do have references. What is, wait, that, tell me about that. Tell me what we see in Bereshit. Well, the creation of the world talks about oh, Shabbat. Bereshit. Yes, Shabbat. Shabbat <laughs> yes. within cre human creation. 
within, within the, the creation of, the of Hashem, world. right? And, and, and as we say in Kiddush, our, our, as the Deber says, right? That so is a emulation of God's creation. It's it's an emulation of our experience of of time as God created it. So even if it was activated, obviously to a much higher degree, even before the Asarati brought, as we know, according to the again, Rashi brings that in Mara we were given the mitzvah of Shabbat before Har Sinai. And there seems to be something about Shabbat being important to actually precede the giving of the Aserat Dibrut, maybe along the lines of what you're saying, the same way Chodesh HaZelechem, right? There were certain mitzvot that were given to prepare us for the receiving of the Aserat Dibrut. Two of the major ones seem to be the relationship to time. And so when we, we gained this independence uh, of Yitziat Mitzrayim, we gained an autonomy of how we connect with our lives and our independent use of time and our choices as they relate to the freedom that one has as a new Ebed, uh, perhaps one could say that the that set the foundation for being able to accept the covenant at Mount Sinai because we had already entered into a state of, of independent will that the holidays, most like you said, the Re'iya and all of these things were teaching us that we play a role in creation and we, we, our connection with time is something that we choose and that elevates our consciousness. And now we're ready to enter into a covenantal destiny with God that uh, couldn't perhaps be conceived of until we had a certain removal from the status of, of being slaves. It's strange to me why it wouldn't ever be mentioned. Why was it never mentioned? It, it, this is not like, oh, they didn't mention the tefillin. Right. Or, oh, they didn't mention something about tzitzit. I mean, we talk about the, the Avos fulfilling the Torah in, in some capacity and what that means is up for debate and how literal we take that it depends on your understanding. But why isn't Shabbat ever mentioned in their lives? It just, is there even a remezik? Why not? It seems to be that there's big creation. Shabbat is the pinnacle, the, the, the pinnacle of, of the creation story. Then it goes into the lives of human beings. And it's, it's peep silent. Why? Until Yetziat meets rhyme. And then all of a sudden, God says, Okay, tomorrow it's Shabbat. How did that not come up before? If, it's, if, if we're talking about the perspective that it's always been there, why, why wasn't it mentioned? It's a good question. I don't have a good answer. I, I think that the, the power of, the, of what you're presenting is to recognize the centrality of Shabbat as central to the mission that the Jewish people entered into at that time. Of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, the same way, you know, we say that Shabbat is a taste of Olam Haba. It's it's a taste of Yomot Mashiach. It, it's a it's a living <clears throat> model to once a week recreate a state that is a fulfillment of the dream of a world that is at peace of a world that, that it is connected to its purpose and to God and to each other. And so that reiteration in our lives, one seventh of our lives living in a place of consciousness of the goal of existence is something that it was given to us as a means of creating that change in the world. You know, they say, you know, be the change that you want to see in the world. Shabbat is exactly that. We say, okay, all of the Jewish people for seven, one seventh, one, Every seven days, be that, enter into that place of completion 
enter into that space of shalom. We say Shabbat Shalom. We say it's a time where creation is at peace with itself. We don't, we don't change the creation around us. All these things are a vision of, of world peace. And therefore, at the time where you're entering into the mission to create that completion of the world, that's when we desperately need to have it implanted as a, day, as a weekly experience. And of course, it's not only a weekly experience because Shabbat is meant to be a state of consciousness throughout the week as well. Right. But it needs to be embedded in our weekday lives. And then from extension of there, it's all the Chagim are every time or many times that the Chagim are introduced, the Moadim were first given Shabbat. Shabbat is the ultimate holiday, it seems. We, we put it on a higher level. It is on a higher level than the Chagim. So we have this, this holiday every single week and everything else is sort of an offshoot of it. But is there something special about Pesach? in relation to Shabbat. I mean, I see it as just because it's the introduction of Pesach precedes Shabbat in chronology of what happened. We learned about Pesach as a nation. We experienced Pesach and then we got Shabbat. There's something there that I, I would want to ask about. Whereas for the other holidays, Shavuot and, and for Sukkot, that's later. We, we already have Shabbat. Um, we're, already, we're already told about Shabbat. So is there something special? And then there's a whole debate about what Mamacharat Shabbat is, about counting of the Omer. So... Is there something more special about Pesach in relation to Shabbat that, that we need to pay attention to? So let me see if I can, something I, I learned today from uh, this uh, Rabbi Jacobson, he, he, he raises a bunch of interesting questions, but it, I'll just share one of the points that he made, which stuck with me very strongly. He said, you know, when you think about it, we left Mitzrayim, we were given this gift of freedom, and Every year we come back and say, okay, we're still not quite yet there. We got to do this again in order to get there. And, and we're doing it over and over again. And he makes the point that the, the basic purpose of the Seder is to recognize that freedom is a process. It's, it's not, doesn't happen in one stage. I mean, even in the Seder itself, we have five different cups of wine that are referenced, right? Each one represents a different dimension of freedom. But the, the point that I want to just reference here is it's a process. And if it's a process, then like you said, there are seven weeks, seven Shabbats from the night of going out of Egypt to the standing at Mount Sinai is something that we replay every year. And we go from a recognition of these two bookends of this, experience of the mission of the Jewish people. We, we leave Egypt, it's our birthday as a nation. We're, we're born as a, as a people, we're, we're gonna have our independence. We go to Mount Sinai, Mount Sinai is described as a wedding, as our, as our under the chuppah, and we're there at Mount Sinai in a brit, a commitment of our commission, a, a commitment to this brit called the Mishnah, which is contained in the Aserat of the Ibrut. But the minute you recognize that it's a process, then and these two fundamental events, Yitziat Mitzrayim, going out of Egypt and, and standing at Mount Sinai, represent the, the envelope through which this process is being birthed to. In other words, it's one thing to be born, it's another thing to be ready to enter into a marriage. And these seven weeks were seen throughout our tradition as a very intense preparation stage to be able to stand at Mount Sinai and say, Okay, we're in. Pledge of Allegiance, we're in there. We're going to do this. 
We'll do it, we'll understand it, we'll commit it. But if you don't understand that these two things go together as one unit, then it's like, oh, there's two holidays, one holiday is going out of Egypt, there's another event, Mount Sinai. No, they're one basic event. They just took place over 50 days. And, and the, the intensity of the process is something that we enter into every year. And we go, oh, wow, I'm out of Egypt. Now what? Like, okay, now my Shabbat has to be different. Now my, my, my mitos, my character has to develop. You know, as, as the, if you open up any Sidur, you have this 49-step process of purification of your character. It's very intense in order to be able to stand up on Sinai and say, okay, I, I'm now ready to receive this light. But it's, it's really a process. And the process is not something that happens without a very intense um, confrontation with yourself. You know, we, 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 were, we were slaves. We, where were we? we? How do we break free from that slave mentality? Not simple. We see we ended up 40 years. That's another process. Like the, but it, the basic point is that it, there is this acceptance. I have to go through this process. I have to confront where I'm blocked. I have to see that I have a ways to go to be able to receive that mission. And with that in mind, I enter into it. I, I, I commit to it and we do it individually, collectively. And of course, as a people, we stand united at Mount Sinai, ready to do this mission, kind of ready or not, here we come. <laughs> you know, Whatever level we've got to, we're on, we're in. And so for that purpose, Pesach needed to be the first of all the Chagim, because the rest of it didn't, whether it's a, the regular weekday cycle of Shabbat, but really culminating to get to, to get to Shavuot and Har Sinai and following the rest of the cycle, we needed to be, we couldn't have that experience without Yetziat Mitzrayim. Maybe you go back to the first Deber that the whole Torah being given at Har Sinai could not have happened, of course, if they were still in Mitzrayim on a, on a literal level, but also on a spiritual level. Nothing makes sense without Yetziat Mitzrayim. But so much of the experience, and then when you really learn about, you know, Rabbi Sachs, that's all five, talking about five different exiles before we get to the Mitzrayim. Rabbi Foreman always trying to allude to the fact that there was multiple iterations of Mitzrayim, that the Brit Ben Abitarim was, was not particular to leaving Egypt at that time. We had many different, it didn't need to be the way that it did, but the bottom line is that we needed to get out of Mitzrayim and finally get to Har Sinai. It had only happened that we got to Har Sinai after the mega omega of, of Egyptian servitude, the longest slavery experience that we had. And so that process needed to start with everything came from that. And a lot of that had to do with what's in the fourth Deber with a completely different relationship with time. Because with a different relationship with time, it's not just that our time is different, our purpose in life is completely different. There is no life in Mitzrayim, at least a life that's worth living. And maybe maybe that's what we need to internalize a, a little bit here, is starting with the foundation of time needs to be treated differently and used differently. And that is where we find personal value and personal purpose when we do something that's meaningful, Kiddush Al Yadei Re'iyah, when we're involved in the process of creation and in the sanctification of time. And yeah, we're still in some sort of Mitzrayim. It's a very special time, I think, in, in Jewish history that where we are back into the arena of, of history again. It seemed we weren't for a very, very long time. So 
what does it mean today as we're doing this again, this Pesach, following the same Haggadah that we've been following in every generation um, for very, 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 very long time? We don't even know the origins of the Haggadah. It's very mis- mysterious in many respects. What does it mean today uh, for all of us? What is one thing that we can think about for what it means today? Well, I would just say that the, the opening line of the Yisaratadi Brut brings us right back to Sinai. And God says, I'm part of your story. Teach that to your children. If, if the mitzvahs were just the, you know, like, this is what you're supposed to do with your life, that there's no, there's, okay, it's, it's interesting, it's directives, but here's much more than that because it's a story, it's a love story of the Jewish people and God. And this internalization of that transforms the Seder that we're a few days away from it to a shared memory that is being passed on from generation to generation of a love story between Hashem and the Jewish people with a joint mission to transform the world. And if we accept that into our consciousness and we share that with each other, with our children, it's so uplifting, it's so elevating. It's so exciting. And that's what we, we want to do this Pesach together. So God is a part of the story, is still a part of the story, and we're still writing the story of our people right now as we speak. Beautiful. So just a few thoughts on Shabbat, uh, Pesach, Yitzhak Mitzrayim, the Aseret Hadibrot. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Music and theme song written and performed by Yaakov Vashilevich. Produced by Eitan Katz. To hear the full song, please click on the link in the description. And to support Torah Thoughts, please consider donating to the tip jar on a monthly or one-time basis, however small. And of course, the link is also in the description. Please give us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts.